0: Cold Stove Podcast. Coming to you live from Austin, Texas. NRD, I like our uh I like the the theme song to Cold Stove because it kind of sounds like uh like afternoon radio theme song. What do you think? Yeah. I'm a
1: big fan. You know what? I think the biggest blessing in disguise to this intro theme music was you getting your laptop stolen. Because without it, we would have the old intro. So now we have this intro and I like it.
0: Totally. New intro, new laptop. Uh hopefully my my old laptop is in the hands of somebody that had far better use for it than I did. NRD. How was your week off of Cold Stove Podcast?
1: I'll be honest, it was nice until I heard Pete Blackburn show up and then I thought I got Wally Pipped out of my job at uh at Cold Stove Podcast. So, you know, good and bad. But uh I'm glad to be back. That's <laughs> kissing the ground I walk on right now in the rumor cave that I'm back on the Cold Stove for this week. There you go.
0: Happy to have you back. Um I don't know if you heard Pete is is imminently going to be a major competitor of ours. So I can't wait for that with him teaming up with uh, friend of the program, Frank Saravalli, for a podcast. So super on that front, huh?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, listen, we're uh, we're doing well in the numbers right now. The rankings are looking good, and let's go to war.
0: There's plenty of room in the hockey game. I'll I'll say that much. The more podcasts, getting the more eyeballs on the sport, the better. I'm all for it, and being close. As long with, as, uh, as what's that? Yeah, as long as you listen to us, right? As long as we're part listen, of listen, yeah. yeah. Just get us You're in the rotation, to whoever
1: you want to. Yep, but we got to be number one and number two in the rotation, and I'm cool with that.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, Pete did a great job. Um, we'll have him back on for sure, especially when the trade deadlines and things approach. And maybe go to two episodes a week too. NRD, were you the one who asked Leon Drysaddle a question or yesterday, or is that somebody else?
1: It was, I believe, and this is what I found really funny about the the initial tweet from Tim and Friends, the uh, the show up in Sportsnet in Canada that they refer to him as Hockey Hall of Fame reporter, Jim Matheson.
0: (laughs) How about that, huh?
1: So, uh, you know, whatever fossils they excavated to dig him up and put him in that press conference, that dinosaur. You know, he's always got the hottest of takes on Twitter, Jim Matheson, Hockey Hall of Fame reporter. So, hats off to him. I did not ask that question. It was him.
0: Oh, I see. I see. Well, I mean, but if you are, if you're looking at Edmonton, and I hate to, you know, we, we always seem to start off with a dumpster fire on this show, but how can you not? When it's, when it's really all the hockey world is, is talking about right now. But what do you do? If you are Ken Holland, if you are Connor McDavid, if you're Kyler Yamamoto, what do you like? You know what it feels like? Somebody pointed this out. I think it was Lance Lysowski on, uh, on his podcast, Maintenance Day. I think he said this feels a lot like the Buffalo Sabres of 2019, 2020.
1: We're... Except the only issue is they have two. <laughs> they have two Jack Eichels. Well, and better than Jack Eichels. You, right? you
0: could say it's Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt, but.
1: Times 10. Yeah. And we're talking about two of the best centers in the world in Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid. And as we've said on this podcast going back a couple weeks, the last time we were able to rip a show together, you know, I would have a really hard time believing that Connor McDavid would move on because he's just one of those guys that it seems to be like loyal to a fault to Edmonton. But. You see the frustration from Connor and Leon now, and Mikko Koskinen a couple weeks back, and Dave Tippett's frustrated, and it just doesn't do the organization any good, especially in the public eye, and these things are going to start to swirl, right? Like, it's great radio for us, I love it, chances are Leon and McDavid aren't moving anytime soon, but people are now going to talk about it, which just adds to the frustration in the room, because now there's a lack of trust in that locker room. We don't know who's heads out the door, who's got one foot out the door, trying to go somewhere else. Like it just leads to a disaster in an organization. And the problem is, and we've discussed this: there's no quick fix in Edmonton, right? Like I think there's systematic issues that go beyond grabbing a goaltender and hoping he puts up like a nine two zero save percentage, or grabbing another defenseman. Like their issues are not solved by one or two guys. Yeah, and that's why there's there's so many rumors flying around about what Edmonton's looking to do. Goalie's probably the most likely at this point just because of the whole spat with Koskinen and Stuart Skinner is just not good enough to hold down the fort there. But it's not going to wish their problems away, right? So there's issues in Edmonton. It is a dumpster fire, and that's why we have to talk about
0: it. You know, you might start with breaking up the defensive pairing of Cody Ceci and uh, Dunton Teeth. Maybe that's a start. But it's just you look around that room and it's deflated. You have two of the best people in the league wondering what the direction is they thought they like you bring in zach hyman for 5.5 you bring you extend darnell nurse two good players but how are you are are you constructing that roster and we go go back not even what four four months and they were the number one team in the league so that's why ken holland is so convinced that the players are in the room so when You have an organization who's convinced the players are in the room and the players in the room are like, hang on a second. Are you sure about that? It's a stalemate, which I'm very familiar with stalemates in the hockey world. But it, it feels bleak, right? It just feels like there's no end in sight until they rip off 10 in a row and everything's patched up just fine and dandy. So well, you, where do you go? You mentioned
1: you mentioned a great point about, you know, the player saying, Hold on a second. What if we don't have the right guys in the room? And that's the issue in itself, right? The lack of confidence, the lack of that cohesive unit, the lack of I got your back. Who's got your back? Who's got your back? Et cetera, et cetera. And that you can see on the ice. They're not playing like a cohesive unit. I think it starts by breaking up Leon and McDavid. You know, Tippett loves to put them on the same line in crunch time. And it's good and that's fine and dandy when you need to. But I think developing depth in that lineup, And I was on, uh, I did morning skate with Morning Skate Keddy last week and, you know, in, in lieu of my apps, and I tried to get something out of there to pump the show. And what I was speaking to him about was that the, the lack of depth in that lineup has led to you to have to put, you know, McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Pooley Arvey out there 25, 30 minutes a game for an offensive line, and it's just not sustainable. They don't have anybody in that lineup that could supplement those guys. Nugent Hopkins is hurt but we don't really know if he's the type of guy that can supplement them anyway. They lack that scoring depth up and down the lineup to drop a Leon Dry settle down, and to drive offense on a second or third line. Not saying he deserves to be a second or third line player, but when you have two talented centers, unfortunately, they can't always play on the same line. So the issues are really apparent, and I like the point that you made about the lack of confidence in the guys in the room, and maybe that is the answer, but to your, to your other point, Ken Holland's stubborn guy. He's not going to admit defeat. He's not going to say that he didn't put the right team on paper to get it done, there's going to be a fall guy if Ken Holland doesn't get the axe, and it's going to be Dave Tippett, and it's going to be after the season.
0: A team that, uh, let's stay north of the border here, a team that has waved the white flag more more or less, is over in Montreal. They have a new GM as of this week, Kent Hughes, the 15th man, uh, general manager in Montreal Canadiens history. Somewhat a, uh off-the-board, I guess you could say, pick. You know, he, he kind of crept up late. He came from the back after the home stretch. Uh, your, your thoughts on Kent Hughes and where Montreal went with this decision?
1: Longtime friend of Jeff Gordon, and Elliot Freeman, I believe, mentioned this in 32 Thoughts that he dropped at like 4 a.m., so thanks for that, <laughs> um, That apparently Gordon's been trying to hire Kent Hughes for quite some time, going back to when Jeff Gordon was the general manager of the Rangers. He wanted to bring Kent Hughes in front office uh, front office capacity to some degree. So that didn't happen then, it happens now, he's the new general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. I like the hire, because, and this is akin to what, you know, my lack of true baseball knowledge, but a little bit surface level baseball knowledge, a little bit akin to what the New York Mets tried to do a couple years back with Brody Van Wagenen, Mm -hmm. uh, who was a big time power agent with uh, Creative Arts, you know, agency, CAA, in the MLB, and they hired him. him. Ever heard of him, yep, big time. And... They brought him in to try to build rapport with players, right? Because you want the New York Mets to be a destination. What the New York Mets lacked for some years was getting players to buy into the organization. You have an agent that's friendly, buddy-buddy with all the players. And maybe it's like, oh, I've scratched your back for so many years, you scratch mine now. I think Montreal is trying to do something similar in rebuilding and refreshing the you know, the brochure to come to Montreal. Here's an agent that's well-liked by many players, represented Patrice Bergeron, Chris Letang. Many players around the National Hockey League is bilingual, does speak French, so he hits that box too for Montreal. And he hasn't had experience. He's going to grow into that role while Jeff Gordon kind of pulls the strings from above. But they obviously know each other. They work work well in tandem. But that's what the higher screams to me. It's trying to rebrand the Montreal Canadiens as a destination for players to want to come again and not the struggles that we've seen on the ice for the better part of two or three years, you know, minus the free ride to the Stanley Cup final with the All-Canadian division. They've been bad. And here's a player's agent that has you know, been in the room with a lot of these guys and has built up the trust of a lot of these players, some of which, Patrice Bergeron UFA at the end of the season that have a lot of trust in Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes has a lot of trust in them, and I think that's how you rebuild an organization. You rebuild rapport. So it's a good hire in my book. It's not the hire I would have went with. I would have been a big fan of Danny Briere being the guy there, but uh, but they didn't get it wrong by any means right now. I'm not going to play armchair quarterback.
0: Uh, shouts to Kent Hughes's son, the other Jack Hughes' Currently tearing it up for your Northeastern Huskies, who are the fastest Northeastern team to 15 wins with the best goalie in the country, Devin Levi, bar none, uh, on pace to break, break might be the wrong word, but outpacing Ryan Miller's uh, Hobie Baker season in save percentage, shutouts, wins, and I think that might be it. But keep an eye out over there at the Hobie Baker, uh, Devin Levi, Talk. Back to Kent Hughes and the Canadians in general. Does this, you know, you hire an agent as a GM, a, a longtime agent with a powerhouse list of clients. What does that do at the negotiation table in the summer? All of a sudden this guy goes from, hey, how can I get my guy more money to, hey, you don't need that much money. What problems, like what unique circumstances does that introduce into the Montreal hierarchy here?
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate on that for a second. And I'm going to say, a guy like Kent Hughes knows exactly the value of each and every one of these players out there. Because he studied it now for years and years and years to get his clients the most money. He's got to know exactly what a certain player with that point production gets on the open market. So I think you're going to see Montreal very savvy with the salary cap. I think he, you know, there's obviously, like you said, I'm not going to take away from what you said. There is some trust being broken down a little bit between now he's an agent, now he's on the other side and he's trying to nickel and dime. But I look at it as a plus for Montreal and that he's gonna know exactly what to get listen, take it or leave it because I know your market value. Because I've been working in your market value for 15 20 years now. And I know you're not gonna get a penny more or a penny less on the market. You know? So I think that plays into Montreal's hands and it should be interesting to see what Montreal does, especially with high profile free agents coming up, some of which that have been represented by Ken Hughes over the past year or so in that if A, they'll show interest, and if B, Ken Hughes has spent this entire time trying to cook up contract extensions for these guys, now he's going to be negotiating against them. But he knows exactly what they're worth, right? So yeah, it's a plus.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm, if I'm a player, I'm almost nervous, right? Because now you have a guy, not, not player, I'm, if I'm the players, I, I get nervous when these guys get these positions of leadership because in a flat cap era... These guys aren't going to be setting new market, you know, Seth Jones type of deals. They know what they're worth at the GM position. So I'm like, hey, wait a like, I even if I play better than this guy, or if I play up to this guy's standard, you know, appear in the lead, I'm getting what he's getting. I'm not getting more because one, the salary cap's not going up, and two, you have these guys in these positions that know what they're doing, and word spreads. So if I'm a player. I'm kind of like, hey, uh, you know, we got a, a Rod Brindamore situation happening here where I'm going to have to take uh, less than I thought I was going to get. And it, I guess we'll see f- what goes on from there. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting moving forward here.
1: It's interesting. I'm just, as we're talking about it, I'm looking up, you know, some of the players that Ken Hughes represents in their total A via their contract. You look at Chris Latang at uh, 7.25, my bad. You look at Patrice Bergeron at six point eight seven five, which is a steal for what Patrice. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Ken Hughes is an agent that's gotten the guys the big money either. Seems no. like he you no. Know, so Darnell Nurse five point six, Drake Batherson five, which may be you know good. good so, value so those for Drake those, those two,
0: yeah, I'd, I'd take those.
1: Anthony Pavilion, well, four, four. Darnell
0: next year nine point two five.
1: Nine ne- point two five. That's year, that's, big, big that's big, man. That's big money for
0: for a defenseman. I mean, I know the market's the way it is, but.
1: Yes. Anton, Anton Kudobin, 3.33, stole that one. Um, but, yeah, so it seems like, to me, right, he's going to be a GM that comes in and he's going to negotiate fair contracts. And I wonder if it's not going to be, you know, a breakdown of the trust. But, in fact, Montreal is going to get some great signings on the market because he knows exactly the value of what he's looking for. So, listen, jury's still out. remains to be seen. Who knows what direction that Jeff Gordon wants to take your organization in. If they truly tear it down, who knows if he's going to luck into four top ten picks like he did with the New York Rangers there in Montreal. But there is some players to be signed and some players to be acquired. And I think that Ken Hughes is going to be a savage in the box, to, uh, to quote Aaron Boone, on, uh, on acquiring players.
0: Speaking of savages in the box score, NRD, that's what I was last night. Thanks to our friends at DraftKings. He tipped the biscuit where mama hides the cookies for the game-winning Gino. That's hockey speak for a big win. And a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, so is this. Here we go, Honor. Do you ready for this deal? Run it. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. You don't have to be an expert at hockey lingo to understand how great this offer is. If the DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Listen up. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. That's what I do down here in Texas because we are not street legal yet, as they say.
1: Underground Brett.
0: Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code Washed. That's W A S H E D. Bet just one dollar on any NHL team and get one hundred fifty dollars in free bets if they win. That's promo code Washed at DraftKings Sportsbook NHL style. You could uh, the Sabers last night could have done you uh, done you some good as could the Carolina Hurricanes both of which I was on, red hot over here, NRD. You must be 21 or older in the following states, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only for this deal. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See draftteens.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, real quick, NRD, big news in the lead yesterday on the COVID front. I know we're all tired of it, but some good news, as they say. Testing is no longer required for asymptomatic players. On track to finish the season uh, in time, put that in quotes, because there's a glaring hole in February. But your your thoughts on the NHL finally kind of uh, saying, hey, we're, we're going to get through this.
1: Well, the glaring hole will be patched up within the next 24 to 48 hours. The schedule will be out to to make up some of those games. We know that. And it's great news. I mean, this is what, to keep it short, because I know you guys don't want to hear about COVID anymore, but this is what we've been saying all along. This is the only way the NHL season would finish on time if that was the main goal, was you're going to have to stop testing asymptomatic players. The NFL did, and, you know, the NFL is trucking along. So it's a good thing. There still will be testing for cross-border from U.S. to Canada as required by the governments. So that's not going anywhere. But when you have players that, you know, have been, for the most part, adhering to the protocols and don't really feel sick and they've been fine and they've been playing away, to be told that they have COVID and now they get to shut down for a week is brutal to the player and it's brutal to the organization. So I'm glad to see that hopefully behind us for good. You know, it's behind us for now. It's behind. It should be behind us for good. I hope taxi squads are also done after the, uh, after the All-Star break. There will be no longer taxi squads in the NHL. So it seems, and I knock on wood when I say this, but it seems like there are greener pastures ahead. So happy days are here.
0: Happy days are here. It's nice when the players are rewarded for making personal choices that are going to benefit the whole of the league, and that's getting vaccinated, that's getting boosted, that is all benefiting everybody right now because when they do get it, and people have gotten it, The disease has been weakened. The disease has been less severe had they not had the vaccine. So, shouts to the players for for going through this, waiting it out, doing the right thing, and now are being, you know, rewarded is the wrong word, but common sense starting to win out in the NHL. And I think we'll see, you know, the teams back to full strength moving forward sooner than later. Thank goodness. A guy that uh, may be on the move sooner than later. Rumors obviously continue to swirl. Is Jacob Chikrin. The price remains, NRD, a first and a high value prospect. The latest on what's happening in the desert. With with the, uh, with the our Austin Coyotes, perhaps.
1: The Austin Coyotes, which by the way, I saw one of our uh, followers tweeted us and was manifesting the Austin Coyotes. I'm only on board if we get to call the games, right? Hey. Like, that's you, where this is going. Put,
0: put me in the booth and uh, give me a Margarita, and, and I'm I'm great on Playboy. You,
1: you and I will rip it up, Austin Coyotes. But it's weird to – first of all, it's very strange to me that the Coyotes would even be looking to move a guy like Jacob Chikrin if they're truly committed to a rebuild. What's he, 24, 25? And he's making, like – Five and a half million a year for the next four years.
0: Yeah, he is twenty-three, 23 making four point six through the 2024-2025 20, season.
1: Thank you for that's why you're here to correct me. But uh Cra- no, it was still a crazy deal. Still crazy. It's even better than what I said. It's it's more of a bargain. But he's making nothing, he's young as hell, and he is on the block. And what's inquisitive to me, what's gotten my mind going over the past couple of days. Is that the teams that are there's some overlap in the teams that are interested in John Klingberg, who we'll talk about in a second, and Jacob Chikrin, but the prices are very, very different. Especially for one guy that wants to be out of there, and another guy that, you know, the Coyotes for for all the misdirection that their organization has over the past couple of years, they do understand the premium asset of Chikrin, and that's why the asking price is so high. So you look at a team like the Boston Bruins, which Chikrin probably on paper makes more sense for that organization than Klingberg but I think they just might be priced out of, of chicken because of their prospect pool in Boston, because of how weak it is because of the depreciating assets between Vecanainen and and what they have, you know, Seneshin is worth nothing now and all those guys that they have in the prospect pool in Boston. So I wonder if they're just priced out and the Islanders similar, right? Like if, if the Islanders propose a package and I'll give, I'll kind of ask you this question. If the Islanders, play ball and say we'll give you the first in a prospect or two for Chickering. like name name me a couple of prospects that if I was Arizona I'd sit in that chair and say yeah I like that deal I there's not too many
0: no yeah I, I mean because the Highlanders are just as bleak like yeah. I what do you do do you do you go I'm, I'm looking down their list here I'm like yeah ugh, yeah ugh, ugh. yeah I mean, I mean shoot Aturassi, who's <laughs> over in Finland yeah. um, you know
1: Bodie Wild, who you know he's got question marks around him like they're weak in the prospect pool, and the guys that they need as prospects are there now, ready to go between either Bridgeport or the Island. So that's the other part of it, too. Like, you're not going to get rid of a Pulock for this. You're not going to get rid of, you know... I could go up and down the list of the names, but you you on the friends understand my point. You're not going to bleed out the, the young talent that you have on the roster for Chickering. You're going to look to new futures, but you don't really have the futures in place, and that's, you know, we've discussed this. Tone blue in the face about Morello there on the island and what, you know, what course the organization has chartered on over the past couple of years. And this is a side effect of it. Look at the New York Rangers who, you know, ran the coverage dry in chase of a Stanley Cup and it didn't come home and they were giving up Duclair and first round picks for Keith Yandel. So they really have nobody there left on the in the futures farm to give up for a Chick So that's why Klingberg is the nice alternative, because you trade off the fit and the money, but at the same time, he's a little bit more cost advantageous for a team that's acquiring him. So I don't really know what's going on in the desert. I mean, I don't know why you'd move him in the first place. If you I, ask
0: me. I, I, honestly, I agree with you when they have three first rounders pending, you know, the Montreal pick uh, being conditional, but three three first rounders and five second round picks in the upcoming draft. They, it, it's hilarious. They have three guys under contract after the season, three forwards, and then... Three defensemen, including Chickren, no goalies. It's like, what is, what in the world is going on in Arizona? Their, their cap friendly page is like arguably hilarious. I, I like that is going to be a totally different team in the next couple of years. They have the draft capital to do it. They're going to have like more tap space than has, has ever existed in the history of the planet. Like, I don't know, man. I I don't know what's going on in the desert. I don't know what's going on with Chikrin. I can't wait for them to move to Austin and get a fresh start. But I we're just speaking that new existence, NRD. How's that sound? Um, A team who seems to have figured it out after being a dumpster fire to begin the season is the Vancouver Canucks. Have they righted the ship, NRD?
1: In terms of blowing the whole thing up, I think they've righted the ship. I still think there's moves to be made in Vancouver. Like, you know, a little bit of fool, fool's gold with the 8-0 start they had with Bruce Boudreau or 7-0. So they're not one of the elite teams in the National Hockey League, I'd say. But they have the goaltender in place. I'm a big fan of Thatcher Demko. They DC have a guy. DC guy. He He's been playing tremendously well in that run that they've had. They lean on him every night, which is a good thing because I know – Last year, there was a lot of rotation between Holtby and, you know, Thatcher Demko. They didn't really give him the job. I thought he performed well. Even going back to the bubble, when he was stealing games in that bubble playoffs, I was like, then and there, Thatcher Demko has to be your guy. You have to proceed forward with him. But they have the they have JT Miller in place, who's a guy who, you know, Frank Saravali, friend of the program, mentioned the other day that New York Rangers have been one of the most active teams on JT Miller. I am going to throw cold water on that from what I've been told by trusted people is that it would take a lot for JT Miller to end up back in New York with the Rangers. Not a lot in terms of like cost to acquire, but I don't think the Rangers really want to make that move. I think the Rangers, there's other options out there for the New York Rangers. Should they go down the center path on the market, namely Thomas Hurdle, Hey, even Claude Giroux, Ooh, but, whoa, name drop. Whoa. but there, there are other options in place. For the Rangers over JT Miller, so put that one aside for now. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's what I've heard.
0: Have you heard JT Miller to anybody else? I know that's the, that's kind of the hot name. Nowhere in, in particular, and that's yeah.
1: kind of where I was going with this. Was pump the brakes right now, and I think that's across gotcha. the board in Vancouver. There's moves to be made to set this roster up for success going forward. But it's pump the brakes right now on who we're going to sell off. I think it's going to evolve over the next month or so. Deadline's March 21st. I don't think we're there yet in Vancouver where here's the list of t- players we're going to sell off. Here are the young guys we're going to keep. Here are the veterans that we're going to keep. Here are the veterans that we're going to sell off. We can obviously speculate, and JT is a big name. Brock is another big name that has tremendous value on the market. But I think it's pump the brakes time in Vancouver in terms of who they're going to get rid of just because they went on that run and then they came back down to earth a little bit. Now they're winning some games again. So I think they're still trying to figure out their identity heading into the March 21st deadline. Things are very up in the air with the playoff picture in the West Coast. So you never know, and I think that's the Vancouver mentality right now. is hey, you never know. Let's play this thing out. Let's get as close to the deadline as possible before really charting a course here going forward. That's why JT Miller, I'm a little bit bearish on everywhere.
0: I, and you know what? I feel like there's a couple teams that fall into that category where it's sort of like the, hey, sit and wait. Type of situation like maybe a, a St. Louis or a you know an Anaheim. It's like, what what are, what are we gonna be at right now? Um, NRD, let's hop into the corner, shall we? NRD's corner. We need the we need some theme music for you. We need like a, a sound effect drop, like it's oh, the yeah, bat 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 there you go. It's the rumor cape, NRD. You are mad at the all star game. Why
1: the all star game sucks? The format sucks. It's a disaster. You know, how much fun was the all star fantasy draft? Saw some some account posted on Twitter the other day about the All Star Fantasy Draft coming back. That was a lot of fun. It added a unique dynamic to the game. The All Star game this year is an issue because some of the top players in the league are not there. You know now Nazem Kadri gets in as the last man in, but he shouldn't have been the la- he should have been the first man in. Nazem Kadri's in the top five in points in the National Hockey League, and he gets snubbed off the initial list for the All Star game. Give me a break.
0: Well, tell him I, to stop, uh, t- stop uh, fucking people's days up in the playoffs, and maybe maybe he gets the nod then.
1: Maybe the NHL would have thrown him a bone or two. There you but go. like, ooh, Arizona has any? Arizona has a delegation going to the All Star game. Montreal has a delegation going to the All Star game. Don't
0: That's say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. you were going to say it. You're going to say a third team there.
1: The Buffalo Sabres <laughs> have a delegation going to the All Star game, but. That's the point is this game is supposed to be best on best of the NHL. A little break, a little time for skills and fun and meet the fans and whatever. It's not a time to sell jerseys because every kid wants, you know, an all-star jersey with their team's patch on it, with their team's player on the back. And that's what it is. It's all marketing 101. There's a reason why Gary Bettman wants every team to have representation. That's because if there's no Arizona Coyotes there, or there's no Buffalo Sabres there. There's two franchises that are just tuned out from the all-star game and their fan bases if they're not diehard hockey fans. So I get it from a marketing standpoint, but it still sucks. And on top of it, I'm going to go after my other enemy right now, ESPN, and say this. Ooh. The skills competition's on ESPN, but the game is on ABC the next day. That seems ass-backwards to me. The All-Star Skills competition, especially now this year that Elliot Freeman reported they're bringing back the uh, Breakaway Challenge, and that some names that aren't on the All-Star game, like Trevor Zegras, will be there and participating in the Breakaway Challenge. The fact that that's not on ABC is mind-numbingly stupid. And then the three-on-three game, which nobody really gives a fuck about, is on the next day on ABC. I get it. Both are on you know, television. One's on cable. One's on network. I don't know about you, Brett. I'll ask you this question. I'd prefer the Skills Comp to be on network television, show off the fun side of the game, allow fans to identify themselves with the personalities that we have in the sport. And then if they want to tune in the next day to see some three-on-three action, if there's no overtime going on, they'll watch in the All-Star game the next day on ESPN. But... This is just all wrong to me. The format's a disaster, and quite frankly, I'd like to see those ugly uniforms of the two thousands back. Bring me North America versus World in the All Star Game.
0: Of course, I, of course. I, there's no, there's no All Star Game that is ever any good. I mean, kind of besides like the last two minutes of the NBA All Star Game, and I, and I, I like what they did going quarter by quarter there. Um, the MLB All Star Game is obviously good because it. Well, I think it used to mean used to something, mean something. which was kind anymore. of fun. Yeah, it doesn't anymore. But uh, nobody wants to watch pond hockey. You know, like if you want anything, put it on a actual pond. I have was the just players say, take, you, take
1: there. You go. There's your idea. They don't. Put nobody. It on a fucking pond. Yeah.
0: Nobody like wh- that. Poor guy in Colorado who's like, oh, we're not playing on Lake Tahoe. Like, what the fuck? Um, but take the helmets off. Give the guys some personality, and that's what the stills competition does. When the guys can walk around, you can see these unbelievable athletes doing unbelievable things nobody cares to watch the, the like all-star game hockey unless like you bring gordy howe back from the dead and and watch him like you know it, it's just it just it just doesn't make any there's no, it's no good it's no good it's 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 dog shit hockey with with the best players from each team and I think there's such an easy solution to what you're talking like it should be the best players. Every team should have people in, in whatever city, send you like your three most marketable guys and send them to the city, make them available to media, have them do something, like make the hockey fucking Olympics. I don't care. But the game itself needs revamping, obviously. And you know what? I don't trust the NHL to do much of anything when it comes to marketing because they made Green Day the official band of the NHL like two years ago. So uh, who, they, they don't have any idea what they're doing. The end rant.
1: And, you know, all joking aside, and as scary as it is, I wonder, like, to your point about Gordie Howe, like if they had an actual alumni all-star game, all-star game, <laughs> yeah, that might be that, would cool. that would outperform the actual all-star game. It really you, would. You give me Bring Joe back,
0: Sackick and Stevie Y out there playing three-on-three, three, maybe that's fun. It'd give people a taste of their old, their old heroes.
1: Yeah, or, you know, because they got rid of the Winter Classic alumni game. Which was I thought as entertaining, especially to see you know Bernie Perrant playing goalie in like 2012 or 2015 or whatever he played in that alumni game. Like Bernie's like 72 years old and he's strapping on the Freddy Krueger mask or the the Jason mask and uh, and the leather pads and he's getting it done at his age. So that's entertaining. The celebrity game they used to have. Remember yeah. The celebrity was... game in L- in L.A. Like it was 2002 or 2003 All Star game. Yeah. He had like. Cuba Gooding Jr., Chris Jericho playing in it, like just celebrities from all facets that wanted to try out hockey, they let them play in the game. That was entertaining. Like you have
0: you could Jews you could build a needed. celebrity game. I mean, Bieber would play in it every year,
1: and Hell that's yeah.
0: there there you there you go. Now you have some juice. Bieber in Vegas against like like uh, Taylor Kitsch plays <laughs> used to play in my men's league. Yeah. So like Taylor Kitsch would play Tim Riggins, aka, um, like you. There's guys that can skate a little bit around. And then you throw it, maybe you mix that in with like they do uh, with the MLB. They mix that in with a couple of guys that can play, you know, like or could play like Joe Sackick is, is the team yeah. captain and Steve Eiserman's the other team captain. And they do like a whole, they, they got some of their buddies on the ice and Adam Foote's out there dishing, you know, sauce and passes over to to uh, Cuba Goody Jr. for You know, that kind of stuff. We're, we're just creating bullshit to be consumed as bullshit, but at least you would get some highlights out of it on Twitter. You know, it's
1: Exactly. Just... It's all about going viral now, right? Like, right. How many clicks would Scott Stevens laying out Justin Bieber at the blue line get? <laughs> <laughs> you imagine if he catches Bieber with his head down and coming across the blue
0: line? Chris Chris Proner, just two hands Biebs across the uh, across the chest.
1: <laughs> Scott Stevens shouts to Paul Correa off the floor on the board. Gary, oh, great okay. call. But... Yeah, like that would be entertaining, and that's what the All Star Game needs. It's stupid, like you said. It's creating bullshit just to consume bullshit. But sometimes, put stupid that on a T shirt, by the way. There you go. There's first first cold stove T shirt. Creating bullshit to consume bullshit, but which is, by the way, some of the haters out there. That's what they've said about my account before. So that, <laughs> and, uh, that came from came from a good place. But no, that's what we're trying to do here, and those are the moments that go viral now. That's why the NBA Celebrity Game All Star Weekend generates clicks. That's why what they did a couple of years ago by incorporating the... I remember the NBA skills competition going back three or four years ago. I don't know if they still do it today, but there was one skill in the skills competition where they teamed up an NBA player from the team, an NBA legend from that city, and a WNBA player from that team's WNBA team, or yeah. from that city's WNBA team. And it was like shooting stars or something like one would do the pass, one would do the dunk or whatever. But it was a little bit more entertaining. And then you get those moments of like, oh, you know, for... You know, Dikembe Mutombo still can block the ball, or Allen Houston still drilling threes from the corner in the skills competition. So you get that nostalgia in it. You get the current players playing with the old guys. The NHL has none of that. They have a boring three on three game. You want to see better three on three hockey? Go watch it overtime. Yeah, and extend no, overtime to ten minutes. Like that's a better plan for three on three hockey than the All Star game. And also,
0: put fa- a put a shot clock in, or something. like, or the lacrosse rule where if you go over the line, you can't go back over the line. Like.
1: Even multi-puck, like you score a goal and then like four-puck shootout onto the ice, like pinball, <laughs> and there's like commotion going on. Just something stupid, and the fact, and I'll wrap this up here in a second, because I've been going on long about the fucking All-Star game, giving it more attention than it deserves. But Zinc. the fact that this is going to be on ABC, and people are going to tune into this casuals, and they're going to say this is boring as shit. And not, give, just, and not give it another chance. And not give it another chance, and that's the issue there. And that's why I'm even spending the time on it, because I foresee that happening, and that's the frustration. As a fan of the game, as somebody who works in the game, as somebody who delivers a podcast in the game, we want the game to succeed because we all succeed. And I'll be damned if somebody watches the All-Star game on ABC coming up in a couple of weeks and says, wow, this is exciting.
0: Totally. Totally. I mean, it, it should be a hockey summit in a way. Like, bring back fucking Red Bull crashed ice. I don't know if you ever saw that, where the guys like basically skate down a bobsled trail. It's tight. Make have the, some of the guys do that, uh, you know. Like, there's such an opportunity to highlight the sport of hockey across the board. I mean, get biz on rollerblades, and we're doing street hockey. Like, well, they're doing that, but I know they, the, they the shots shots to the Chicklets Cup, but like, make that a part of something, you know. And and televise it. Yeah, so, have the players and
1: yeah, promote. I mean, you know, we love Chicklets over here, but you know, I can understand there's some. The NHL might not want to do it for, you know, backlash reasons. <laughs> Sure, but,
0: sure. sure. But like, you know that, if, like, that is a
1: great idea, right? Get creative. Like, you have Just... to go play in this. This is what this is the all star weekend. There's no online competition. It's in Vegas. We're gonna have a roller hockey game on Fremont Street. We're gonna close down the fucking street. We're gonna Boom. have people ziplining ahead. And there's you Boom. know, Jack Hughes playing with Biz, playing with whoever Nasher I heard is playing in this tournament. Yep. Like that's the all star game. And bang, we're gonna have fun with this. D- and D- if you D- don't wanna show up, don't show up. Who cares?
0: Yeah. And put you yeah. Anyway, let's get off the all-star game because we, we could go all day with our ideas. And let's go to something more, uh, what do you say, NRD-ish? Got some, got some names here for you, NRD, that have been on the block or uh, some new guys, maybe. Give me what you know on the Tomas Hurdles of the World, Phil Kessel, Claude Giroux, perhaps. Maybe a John Klingberg, Ben Chirot, or Mark Giordano.
1: Choose
0: your your adventure.
1: We'll start with Claude Giroux, because I think he's the biggest name on that list, in my opinion. And, you know, I have a little bit of information there over the past couple weeks, and I have some more today. Basically, excuse me, what it comes down to with Claude Giroux is that he's got the no-trade clause, and he wants to go win a Stanley Cup, and I think the Flyers will grant him that wish at some point here in the next month or two. But it's going to be at a location that he's most comfortable with. You know, as I say this... As a member of Twitter, and I'm not leaving Twitter, by the way, but as a member of Twitter, I say that you can't believe everything you read on Twitter. There were some tweets out there the other day about Edmonton possibly being in on Claude Giroux. That's false. I don't really know where that came from. In fact, somebody tweeted it to me, and I thanked them for the laugh on the day because it's just not the move that Edmonton can afford to make. And At the same time, I don't know if Claude Giroux, it's a little far from his family in Canada. It's a little far from the you know his immediate family in Philly. I think it's going to be a location that A, either more or less guarantees him a Stanley Cup, or B is a location that he can chase a cup and also be in a comfortable location for him and his family members that he has to relocate. So that being said, I still think Colorado's in the mix. I wonder if, you know, I'll name drop here. I believe that at one point or another when this phone call initially happened between Philly and Colorado, I think Alex Newhook was a name that came up that was quickly, you know, parried away by the abs for obvious reasons. He contributes into the lineup today. I think he's a little bit, more than what colorado wants to give up but maybe jost comes into play there as a name that's you know potentially in play in that deal i think calgary's starting to drift into that same conversation as edmonton for claudio is like i don't know if he's really what they need is it somewhere that claudio really wants to go like i said i'm not you know i don't live with the guy so i don't have the correct answer for you on that but it's just something to speculate but then you know you come to like the Carolina Hurricanes and New York Rangers. Two teams in the division, but two teams that have been in the center market between Jack Eichel and, you know, the Rangers have sniffed around Thomas Hurdle a little bit. So, surely there's going to be a tax to pay in division, right, if you're Carolina or the Rangers. But they have, you know, guys there, especially in New York, you look at Vitaly Kravtsov, you have Nils Lundqvist, you know, Braden Schneider, you have talent there that for a Philly team could use. So does that, Philly?
0: So does does Philly want a player back, or is it just all futures here?
1: I think Philly's looking in the market of either a conditional first slash second and a pro, and a prospect right now, okay. and that's why you look at it like you know you look at a Vitaly Kravtsov or you look at you know a Jack Drury who I think is a little bit outside of what Carolina wants to give up there. I think he would have probably been one of the names in the mix in a you know uh, Jack Eichel trade because he's. A, played in the NHL already, jury for them. He's contributing in that lineup, and they're high on him, but like, those are the type of names I'm thinking, plus a conditional first or a second, you're renting Claude Giroux. He's probably not re-signing in a New York or a Carolina, or a Colorado. He's definitely not signing in a New York because so they don't have the money to re-sign him anyway, so it's more of a go win a Stanley Cup and then come back to Philly, probably most likely in the off-season situation with Giroux.
0: Yeah, I saw um, Elliot mention that. It's always a a romantic fantasy right like okay my my favorite player my longtime player is going to go win a cup with some other team and then resign in the offseason I, I was trying to think how many times has that actually happened where a guy legitimately resigns after a, a rental I, I feel like the thoughts always there but it's always a more more thought than than in practice
1: we were only very close with fullya this past off season mm-hmm. I would say that was our closest To to that happening, you know, prior years, you know, look at the Rangers who've sold some of the biggest rentals on the market, you know, Matt Zuccarello, Kevin Hayes, they weren't close to coming back at any point. Um, I think once they cut the cord there, they were gone for good. So yeah, it doesn't really happen that often. But then again, you're talking about a guy who's, you know, been the captain there for 15 years, and he's devoted his entire career to the city and the organization, and is loyal. And you never know, because... If he does go up or down I-95 to Carolina or New York, or Boston for that matter, throw them in the mix, if he does end up in one of those places, he doesn't necessarily have to move out of Philly full-time. And that's just one, you know, that's different than like a Felina going from like a Minnesota out to Toronto. And then it's like, I uprooted, I'm going back to where my dad played for all these years, and then now I, or Columbus, was he in Columbus? I'm sorry. the yeah. brother was in Minnesota. Yeah, Nick went from Columbus to Toronto, but... Like, that was a little bit more of a different situation, and then there was thoughts about going back to Columbus because he was the captain there. But Claude Giroux is probably the closest. We'll see if that happens, should they, would they move Claude Giroux coming up with the trade
0: deadline. Let's stay in the Metro, shall we? Let's, uh, a team that I don't know if we've even mentioned on Cold Stove. Um, Tariq Al-Bashir of The Athletic reporting that they're not exactly thrilled with Vitek, Vanacek, and, and uh, Samsonov. A team that I'd never really expected to be in the goalie market this year is the Washington Capitals. Now have may have inserted themselves. Anything that made sense to you there?
1: Bring back the Mark, uh, Mark Andre Fleury speculation. Ooh. Because he's familiar with the area. You know, let's see how loyal he is to Pittsburgh after all those years. But that's a type of team that could rent a goaltender for a playoff push. They're good. As Elliot said, to paraphrase him, the East is pretty much locked in in the playoffs now, which is wild to say. I mean, it's January 19th, and we pretty much have a great idea of the eight teams that are going to the playoffs on behalf of the Eastern Conference. Outside of Detroit, who's like six or seven points out, and then behind them, it's like the Islanders 15 points out. So we have a pretty good idea who's going to the playoffs. The rentals are starting to, you know, bubble up to the surface on the market. The teams that are buying, you're going to show themselves soon enough. And if the Capitals go after a goaltender, I don't know if you're going to find any better of a rental goaltender than Marc-Andre Fleury out there. And that's a team, unlike Edmonton, where there's concerns of whether this is really the unit to get them a Stanley Cup. I don't see, if you're, if you're Marc-Andre Fleury, I don't know how you wouldn't look at Washington and say, that's a place I could potentially win a cup this year. Ovechkin's going to net 60 by the end of it, and they're scoring, and Nick Baxter's back, and they're firing at all cylinders. And if I could slide in and take 50-50 of the starts with you know Samsonov or Vitek Vanacek, then why wouldn't I consider doing that if I want to jump ship in Chicago? So that's where I would look if you're Washington. I know Tariq, great reporter, has probably mentioned that speculation more than a handful of times going back to the beginning of October in the season, and I'm sure that speculation will continue.
0: The one thing with Fleury is I, he has a modified no-trade clause with a 10-team uh, no-trade. I wonder... How strong that list is in terms of playoff competitors um, or if the plan all along in Chicago was like you're either a Stanley Cup contender, which they're not, or you go nuclear and just say, okay, this, this list is filled with playoff contenders so he does have a little control. Over where he goes. I don't know. Well that's the thing.
1: And a lot of people think that the no trade clause just means here's the ten cities I don't want to go to. And that's not necessarily the case. A lot of the times it's the ten cities you want to go to, but they have to approach you before any trade is completed. So now you can really select, right? So that's how that's how you take a modified no trade clause to almost a full no trade clause by putting the destinations you want to end up in on that list. Now I get to say, ooh, Colorado, ooh, Washington, ooh, New York, ooh, Pittsburgh. I get to now pick exactly which one because they have to approach me with every offer. So I would second your thoughts, Brett, that I think that that's the situation that might be going on here in Chicago with Marc-Andre Fleury.
0: Let me get into the juiciest rumor of the Cold Stove podcast. As Adam flips his notebook around to write this down, little birdie told me that NRD bets may be coming back. Uh, You want to get into that, NRD?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately for myself, I put out a tweet that I went 7-0 the other day on my NHL picks. Don't share them with the public anymore because too many people were fading me. And I don't like being <laughs> faded because I'm always right. That being said, I tweeted out that I might be bringing NRD bets back. Went wow. 7-0. Since then, I went 3. Oh. And I placed the sole blame on the Ottawa Senators. You should never bet on them. Lost to the you know Buffalo Sabres. Broke my heart. I know you love that. You threw One of the money.
0: most uh, unique game winners I've ever seen. Yeah. Where really uh, yeah. Kyler I Hope he's okay. By the way, he's had some concussion issues mm-hmm. in the past. He gets kind of buried into the boards, hits his head, and you can tell he's either has the wind knocked out of him or he hit his head too hard because he didn't. Um, he didn't get right back up. He, he was in a daze, and, and that's always scary for a guy with concussion issues. But then um, the Sabers go after the Senators on the, uh, near the bench. Sends fight back. Meanwhile, so there's eight guys in a pile-up. The whistle doesn't blow. The play's still going on. The play's still going on. A Sens defenseman brings the puck out, You know, kind of slows down. Like, uh, are we about to get into this? And Mark Shankowski, former Pittsburgh Penguin, comes in, steals the puck from behind, goes on a breakaway, and uh, beats the goalie to put it to 2-1, to one, and then the Sabres go on to win. It was unbelievable. So, breaking NRD's heart in the process.
1: Breaking in my heart. And, uh, you know, Otto was on the shit list. And then, pardon me for thinking that the Dallas Stars could beat Montreal at home. Pardon me for taking them puck line, right? Like, where's puck line Jesus when you need him then? Mm -hmm. Shouts to RA, like, the fuck is up with that? Ottawa lose it 5-2 to Montreal at home, or 5-3 or whatever the final score was. So, 0-3 last night. Rough night. NRG bets. It probably will be back in some form or other. There is a Twitter account waiting in the Wings.
0: Ooh, so okay.
1: we could fire that out from the cold stove pod account every once in a while,
0: but I know, uh, p- poor, poor radio talking about your bets on a podcast, but I did want to drop that news. NRD, are you ready to play, uh, everybody's favorite new segment? Say something nice. Say something mean.
1: I am ready. I've been prepped. I've been ready to go for this segment. I've been excited for a week and a half now to hear this.
0: Let's go. Here we go. Say something. We, we'll, I'll leave it up to you. Would you like to go mean or nice first?
1: Bring some people back down to earth. Let's say something mean.
0: Say NRD, say something mean about Toronto Maple Leaf goaltender Jack Campbell.
1: It's taken him like 47 years to finally hit the pinnacle of his NHL career, and he's probably (laughs) going to come back down to earth after the All-Star break. There's such a thing as the All-Star break slump, post-All-Star break. He's now going to probably... Put out like a nine eight seven save percentage post All Star break, in the Toronto Maple Leafs are have goaltending issues again. While Frederick Anderson goes on to possibly be number two in of voting,
0: and Jack Campbell is going to make a shit ton of money next year, regardless. And uh, are you saying something mean about the Eastern Conference?
1: Where's the fun in no playoff hunt? Am I playing this right? By the way,
0: you are. You are. You're, you're spot on. It's it's sort of like it doesn't have to be necessarily like a, a direct dig but it's something like come on like where are you yeah hey no buffalo, like, hey detroit hey where are you there's just there's no
1: parody in the eastern conference it looks like the nba of years past where it's the same two teams and this year it's, it's the eight teams that we knew kind of all along detroit for five minutes surprised people and mm-hmm. then buffalo you know craig anderson they brought him out from the museum of natural history to play a couple of games and he was good <laughs> for like two weeks and now he sucks Great. again so it's like Although, by the way, Michael Hauser. Well, I'll tell you,
0: save, save that for say something nice because the Buffalo Sabres are on that list.
1: That's honestly, you know, not to go back to my bets, but that's why I took Ottawa. Because when I saw Hauser in the lineup, I thought it was Doogie Hauser. And I was like, there's no way the Ottawa Sabres can lose this game. That being He's said.
0: He's NRD. He's a brick house. Come on.
1: <laughs> that being said. Forgive me. The Eastern Conference, where's the parity? The West Coast is fun. I'm interested to see who makes a run in the West Coast. The East Coast, it's like we can go to bed and wake up in may and we'll know who's in it
0: and say something mean about the canadian olympic team
1: where is the roster we don't have the roster yet do we not did you get burned by the curfew
0: roster no i, I did like that though yeah
1: um so it's not what you're referring to this is great radio here folks by the way because no Brett's no you're learn, right you're right Brett's, no no no. Brett's gonna learn on air that Shane O'Brien is not going
0: to the game. <laughs> Shane O'Brien, Jordan Tutu, and, and whatnot. Uh, or J- J- Jordan I think, Jonathan? I think,
1: I'm pretty sure Alexandra Daigle was on that list, too. Alexander okay. Daigle. No,
0: I, I, I did not get burned by it. But I most this is mostly referring to, and it ultimately was going to be a dig at Eric Stahl, who obviously signed a contract with the Iowa Wild <laughs> for the purpose of being available for the Canadian Olympic team. Just because I, you know, I like Eric Stahl, number 12, but and he looks like me in a couple of pictures, but I just wanted to get an ultimate dig in at Eric Saul. So let's, let's switch it up then. Let's say something you mean about the United States Olympic team.
1: That's easy. To, who's on that roster besides like Matty Beniers and Jake Sanderson?
0: Uh, all-star goalie Drew Camesso.
1: Where's Bobby Ryan? I know.
0: I I, wasn't he rumored to, to be involved?
1: From what I was understood through sources, that Bobby Ryan was ready to go. Yeah. for Team USA, and I think that's a major lockdown. That's sad. I like the
0: story that you're missing, would have topped him off.
1: You're missing one of your top goal scorers from you know, Pion Chang, Troy Terry. So,
0: sad. Fourth, sad. Fourth
1: place or bust for Team USA.
0: Alright, let's go say something nice, NRD. Say something nice about the Buffalo Sabres. Their team. Okay. <laughs>
1: They're in the national hockey. Like, they haven't been relegated yet. They haven't, they haven't introduced relegations to the national hockey league. So they're sitting pretty. No, I, they're, they have surprised me in many games with and without betting being involved this year where they play tough. They play opponents. that they, sh- they shouldn't play as tough as they do. They held the lead for a while against Detroit before Detroit came back in overtime the other day. I thought Detroit, you know, after loot, after getting blown out of the water by Detroit, they had a nice comeback a couple days later. And that's been the story of the Buffalo Sabres season. They, surprisingly been able to hang with teams that they have no business hanging with.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of credit to Don Granato. I think uh, it's nice to see some fire from him too. When, when guys like fuck up or don't put out effort for a period, he comes out, like hot and he's, he doesn't care that their expectations are, are zero. He, he wants this hockey team to play hard. He the scoreboard this year for the Sabres is, is borderline irrelevant but he wants them playing hard, fast, fun, entertaining hockey. And they do. And they do. Most nights. I mean, they, they laid an egg against uh, – they, they, they have blanked. Was it Nashville or something? Somebody blanked them, and it was a terrible effort. Um, and then they came back and, and they put up a couple wins here in the last couple. So very excited about the Sabres' direction over here. At one point, when we do an off-season podcast, it's just going to be the Buffalo show. And your boy is going to go off. We'll have Petey on. We'll have Lance on. We'll have somebody, and we'll just talk nothing but Sabres and have NRD just go absolutely ballistic. But it, very exciting for in Buffalo to see the pieces improving.
1: Are we open to getting Terry Pagula on the show?
0: That's, that's one we're not going to do. Okay. We can, we can get Kim on and ask her her, uh, her ideas when it comes to the future of the Buffalo Sabres.
1: We'll do that then.
0: Economic, efficient. Uh, how about unfucking believable? There you go. Say something nice, NRD, about the NHL All Star Game. Eh. <laughs> you you, uh, you you Jeopardy uh, clocked out there because boop, boop,
1: boop, boop. because what man of integrity would I be after going on the rant that I just went on to say anything nice about that shit show?
0: No man of integrity. That is correct. All right, no, 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 no,
1: no, no. I take it really quick. I oh, okay. It. I got one. Kudos for not having, like, Donnie and Marie Osmond being the entertainment considering it's in <laughs> Vegas. Like, great fucking job, Gary Bettman.
0: Glad it's Brittany. not
1: Wayne U- Newton. Glad it's not Terry Fader and his puppets. Fantastic. There you go.
0: There you go. And did he say something nice about the Oilers general manager, Ken Holland? Loyal. <laughs> He's
1: loyal to the guys in his room, right? Like, yeah the titanic and the band played on he is going to play on till you know either management from up top says time to hit the road ken or if he changes things up but he is damn convinced that he has the right guys in the room as we earlier discussed so he's a loyal guy ken Holland.
0: that'll wrap up uh say something nice say something mean i don't i don't know if you could tell i try to get you to say something nice about things that I know you're not going to be able to be nice about. So that's that's so kind of the fun of the game. I'll be
1: honest with you. This is probably you know the best segment for us on this show because <laughs> I have a lot to say and I have a platform to say it. So having to play devil's advocate is one of my favorite things to do. Very often, let's keep this running.
0: Let's get into what happened. Uh, what what is happening this week? Nrd, the Professional Hockey Federation. The I don't want to premier hockey federation it's premier, premier Hockey
1: federation yep i believe
0: the wi- the women's hockey league um received a 25 million dollar uh injection of capital from the board of governors to improve the league double the salary cap and your thoughts on what the phf is doing and has done this week
1: it's fantastic i believe that average salary will increase from like five grand a couple of years ago to over 37 grand going forward and that's huge and really- benefits too and benefits, and that's gigantic to grow the sport, right? Because you're not going to get full commitment from women who are uber talented but have to pull a full time job. And this is like a part time thing, making five mm-hmm. grand for the year to or five grand in game checks, average salary to play in the league. Like, you're just not going to get the full on commitment from the players. And then that reflects on the fans, right? When you're not getting that full commitment for a good reason. I understand they're all out there chasing a passion, but at the same time, it just doesn't pay the bills. So now that they have, you know, the more premier players and then, you know, into the middle level players will have a chance now at salary to the point where they can start to focus. I don't know if it, you know, is something to retire on right now, and I'd like to see it grow continuously into the future. But for right now, it's definitely a major increase from what they had. And you will see that the players will give it more of a shot. You'll see that some of the women's players that aren't involved in the league hopefully give the PHF slash formerly known as the artist formerly known as the NWHL, another chance, namely Hillary Knight. Like, there is potential growth opportunity now for the league, and I'm a big fan of it, Of it, and I'm even more happy that it came from outside the NHL because two things, really quick, I'll keep this short. A, the NHL would have half-assed it because, you know, let's be honest, I love women's hockey. I think it's great game i think the game moves very differently from the men's game in a good way i think there's a lot more stick handling there's a lot more skill involved and the top players really show themselves out when they're on the ice but at the same time probably not the greatest business proposition for the national hockey league to get involved in so they probably wouldn't have given it their full effort should they have and two it's coming from their own board of governors and that that means that the people involved with the league right now are committed to its success And that's what you want to see for any business. You want people to believe in the product that they're putting out there. So it's a win-win-win-win-win for me in my book, and I hope
0: it continues. I'll put two things additionally on that. One, the players are also getting uh, a stake in the league. The player pool is getting equity in the PHF. I think that's a no-brainer. I think that incentivizes players to not only um, in, in recruiting, that incentivizes players in marketing the league through their own personal social media channels and their and their own personal brands. And two, it's a big couple of months for women's hockey, right? Like going from the fights that they've had between the PHF and Hillary Knight and, and the old leadership under, under Danny Ryan, like there's a lot going on behind the scenes in women's hockey that is sort of ripe for a Netflix documentary. Let's throw that out there right now. There's a lot of interesting stuff behind the scenes that something like that could uh, give them – a huge boost, but it's also the Olympics coming up. And from what I know, a lot of them are are going, they're going to be best on best hockey there. It's a big opportunity to showcase the game in a, I don't want to call it vulnerable time for women's hockey, but in in an opportunistic time with a, a shiny new lead, rebrand, shiny injection of capital. Like it's a time to say, wow, these, these girls are fun to watch for maybe a uh, a a layperson that they watch a couple NHL games a year, yeah. So now it's about distribution and scale, and how are these people showcased, and how are the highlights showcased, and and how are the like how do they get on SportsCenter at night? You know, that's kind of where this all comes to. Um, so interested to see that over the next year, yeah. year and a half.
1: Yeah, and, and to wrap up that point, how do you do it? I say, what? you know because there's. There's been some controversies with certain outlets and the PHF over the past couple of years, and I say the easy fix is this: anybody that wants to join in and enjoy your product, whether you agree with them on everything or disagree with them on everything, allow them to enjoy your product, and that's how the growth will, you know, be quantified or qual- uh, you know, uh, quantified. Yeah.
0: So, I, I think you mean a uh, a certain former employer of mine. Yeah. If they that want to be, be- involved. Don't pick fights. Uh totally agree. Yeah. Do not pick fights with anybody that wants to grow the product. I understand every side of this argument, but highlights are highlights. Scale is scale. Yep. The, uh, the Shane Wright sweepstakes, he sort of steadied himself as the number one prospect in next year's draft, right? There was a little bit of a, for a time there, like, hey, he's not putting up four points a game. What's Shane Wright's deal?
1: Yeah, but I think that's just hangover from what we've had over the past... Four, five, six seasons now. And mm-hmm. then we'll pick that right up next year with Matt Bay and Connor. So, totally. Shane Wright has always been the guy.
0: Now, the point here is that it used to be a no brainer for the Arizona, soon to be Austin Coyotes, to win the Shane Wright sweepstakes. Now there's like two or three teams involved here, um, Montreal being one of them. Can you imagine Shane Wright being picked first overall? in Montreal, going to the Montreal Canadiens, NRD.
1: I would hope they have fans there for that. Sheesh. In the, uh, in the center bell, as they say. in uh, Centre bell. In the centre bell. In the centre bell. You can tell, <laughs> tell I'm south of the border. Um, you know, I think it would be really exciting. The lottery will always throw a little bit of a variable into this thing. No more frozen ping-pong ball, shots to the New York Rangers. Um, it. Will be probably one of Arizona, Montreal, the Islanders. If they fall out of it, could make a run.
0: You got the Kraken involved. You got Seattle's the Senators involved.
1: Ottawa. It. I.
0: It's not a that, sure. Fi- I'm, I'm just thing. saying it's not, that's not a surefire lottery.
1: Like we, it's not like we can sit here like the NFL and say you know we know who's number one and know who's number two. Now we can start to say this prospect's going to go there. There's still a lot to unfold in the NHL season, and. I think that it would be probably the most entertaining option to have Shane Wright end up in Montreal in Montreal while the draft is in Montreal. But you know what a crusher that would be to the Arizona Coyotes. Ugh. To blow everything up and then not have, you know, the bacon come home in year one.
0: Yeah, and then do it all over again next year and say at least we have two can't miss prospects. Although it would be funny if they not funny. If they got the twenty twenty three like second overall pick, and they get Mischov, and then he can't play until twenty twenty six, and they're just like, "Oh, we're gonna be good someday." Promise ya. you. You laugh now,
1: but when they're in Austin, Texas, you wouldn't be so happy.
0: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. So there you go. If they're uh, the Austin Coyotes, the future is bright. Once uh, you know you get the arena thing sorted out. Nrd. Last thing of this week is Andrew Peters of the. Uh, after the whistle podcast, Craig Rive, reporting that major changes in Buffalo uh, imminent. From a source that he got, um, I, I butchered saying that, but what he's in, inferring is that major changes are, are imminent with the Sabers. Yeah, checked I, into checked into this one. You did. Well, anyway, if you have a, if you have a point, go for it. No, I have a point. Too. You
1: have a all right. Go for it, man. Because I was going to say I got nothing over here. It's Petey's. So, wow, you got something.
0: The, one, the the one team I have any involvement with behind the scenes, uh, the Buffalo Sabres, checked into this one. Love Petey, no Petey, got basically like a, not sure what he's talking about. So it very much could be something. I don't think it means like Kevin Adams. He mentioned with Elliot that could Kevin Adams be going to uh, like profession or what is it? President of hockey ops? Yeah. Didn't necessarily get that sense. Um, and Elliot was like, yeah, I don't, I don't. Really see that either, so I don't know. And Petey's um, his educated guess was that ownership stake is uh, on the line. Not maybe not necessarily a majority ownership stake or a full sale of the team from the Bagulas, but certainly now that private equity firms are allowed to invest in NHL teams, owners are allowed to sell pieces of their company. That's kind of where it looks like it's going. Which? If nothing else give Pagula some more money to build uh, another boat.
1: Oh, I thought he was going to build the stadium for the bills.
0: That too, that too. But he's trying to squeeze New York state for every fucking penny that they will give him. And it's, it's just, it's just, I, I cannot, I cannot go bills by the way, but I don't know. We'll see. Major changes may mean anything. And I kind of think they've already done the whole major change thing. So, and I like the path that they're on. I like their future. I'll be surprised if like Don Granado's fired. I don't think that's no chance. The major change. I'll be surprised if Kevin Adams is fired. I think he should get a couple more years. I don't think so. I'd be so. Su- I like Jason Carmanos as the uh, AGM there. I don't. I don't know. So keeping an eye on that. I don't have anything on that today. My educated guess would line up with Petey that a portion of the team is for sale.
1: And if listen, open invite. Petey's a friend of both of ours. If he wants to come yep. on this podcast and do it here. He's more than welcome. I don't think he's going to, with a podcast of his own, I don't think he's going to take us up on that, but if he wants to hop by Cold Stove and share a little bit more on what he's hearing, where we are all ears. He is welcome.
0: There you go. Shouts to after the whistle. Good dude, dude uh, Andrew Peters. NRD, that's going to do it for Cold Stove today. Anything else that you might have?
1: No, I'm happy to be back. Happy to get into some normalcy again with the Cold Stove pod. A couple of weeks there. You were off. I was off. Don't, don't mind having Pete Blackburn here. We're going to have him back, but... Listen, subscribe, five-star, Spotify. You can leave five-star reviews now. And that's it, man. Cold Stove Podcast.
0: I am Brett Merriman at Schmerriman on Twitter and Instagram. That is NRD at NHL Rumors Daily on Twitter. He's not going anywhere. We are Cold Stove Pod at Cold Stove Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you guys next week.